Hi everyone, Donnie Emick here. Today what we're doing is we're releasing our first episode of History in the News. This is a podcast that we're going to do that is designed to connect the things that have happened in the past to what is currently happening in the present. Now, uh, I'm a firm believer that history repeats itself and that nothing is new that's under the sun. And so as we go through and we are dealing with new and strange things in the news that we're seeing these days, especially particularly with what we're seeing right now with the Ukraine, really, it's not all that new. In fact, most of this stuff has been happening uh, over and over again for the last hundred years or so. And so what we're dealing with is really not anything different than what we've been seeing in the past and so over the next few episodes what we're going to do is we're going to unpack that more this first episode is there to talk about the historical context behind uh, the ukraine and why it's so important at this time in history and why it was also very important during world war ii so i'm going to go through and read this uh and go through this whole script for you here and then in the future what we're going to probably do is branch out and have more free discussions along with this type of content but for this week i just wanted to get something out to you that provides some historical context so we're going to go ahead and we're going to launch this here and hopefully you enjoy it was june of 1941. in the past two years nazi germany had surged across virtually all of western europe and pushed the majority of British opposition off the continent. Now it was time to turn and focus on Soviet Russia. As recently as August of 1939, the Soviets and Germany agreed to sign the Molotov-Ribbentrop Pact of Non-Aggression. This pact allowed the Germans to invade Poland without the fear of Russian interference. The pact was to take effect in several ways. First, both parties agreed that for at least a period of 10 years, neither nation would participate in any offensive act against the other. Additionally, they would not aid a third party. The more secretive underlying meaning of this pact established zones of influence for each country. In both cases, this included land that was outside their current territory. By July of 1940, the Nazis had achieved their goals of taking Europe as Soviet Russia stood by. But Hitler's aspirations did not end there. Now it was time to break their agreement and attack the would-be allies. Over the past year, the pact was uneasily observed by both parties. But as time went on and Germany continued to stretch its reach farther and farther across Europe, the relationship began to fray. Just two months earlier, on May 10, 1940, Winston Churchill became Prime Minister as France was crumbling before the German Blitzkrieg. During the ensuing month, the country would fall to Germany. While through much of 1940 the Soviets were not at the forefront of the British authorities' minds, by 1941 it was apparent that Germany would not stop with Western Europe. In fact, on June 22nd of 1940, the same day that France fell to Germany, Hitler ordered preparations for war against the Soviet Union. The agreement had served its purpose of preventing a two-front war in 1940, but now its utility had run out. In classic blitz fashion, the Nazis then burst across Eastern Europe towards the Ukraine. Ukraine was of critical concern because of its significant manufacturing sectors and natural resources. As William Manchester reported in his book concerning the industrial magnates of Germany, the Krupp family, the Ukraine was Stalin's food belt, and with its iron fields, coal mines, and steel factories, it was also his Ruhr. To put this in context, the Ruhr was the center of German industry within an area called Essen. 
It was from there that the Krupp family operated Europe's largest industrial complex that controlled thousands of operations across Europe and employed hundreds of thousands of Kruppianer, who were Krupp's workmen. Eventually, over the next two years, they would also become the taskmasters of the prisoners from numerous work camps, including Auschwitz. The Ukraine was as important to Stalin as the Ruhr was to Hitler. As such, the Germans knew that they must take the Ukraine in order to depose Russia as the most powerful country in the region. And here is where we see the connection to today. Ukraine was a Soviet proxy state until the fall of the USSR in 1991. On August 24, 1991, Verkhova Rada of the Ukrainian Soviet Socialist Republic adopted the Act of Declaration of Independence of Ukraine and thus codified their separation from Russia. Since that time, there have been multiple conflicts between Russia and Ukraine of various magnitudes. The incident of most recent memory was the annexation of the Crimean region of Ukraine by Russia in 2014 under President Barack Obama. This peninsula has been hotly contested as it only became part of Ukraine when Soviet leader Nikita Khrushchev gave the peninsula to his native land in 1954. When the Soviet Union dissolved, Ukraine retained Crimea, but a looming issue remained as nearly 60% of its population of 2 million identified themselves as Russians. This was part of the guise used by the Russians in 2014 as an excuse for their aggression. Today, in 2022, Vladimir Putin holds very similar motivations to the Germans of World War II. And now, after a stay of aggression during the Trump presidency, the United States has demonstrated, through its foolishly handled evacuation of Afghanistan, that its leadership is too frail to offer any meaningful resistance. As of February 24, 2022, Russia has launched an invasion of Ukraine. On February 23rd, President and self-appointed Prime Minister Vladimir Putin made a speech with additional justifications for their contentious actions. The translated version of his speech is available from the New York Times. In our next episode, we'll go through all the points which he made and examine their validity. Thank you so much for listening. My name is Donnie. I'm from Oxus Practical Defense. Hopefully you enjoyed this episode and that it helped you to open up your mind and understand a little bit more of the context for all the craziness that is currently going on in the world. Our company specializes in helping private clients as well as organizations plan for unexpected problems that might arise. And so we work with students and we work with these clients to help them build their processes and understand all the things that can go awry. And in order to understand how to do that, it's important to understand the historical context and to build a defensive worldview. So thank you guys for listening. I hope you guys enjoyed it. If you have any comments or anything you would like to add, feel free to send those to us. You can visit our Facebook page at Oxus Practical Defense uh, on Facebook. We also are available through our website, oxus.llc. If you search for that, it's O-X-Y-S. O-X-Y-S. Feel free to search for that on Facebook or you can also follow us through our website, oxys.llc, and subscribe to our blog or newsletter from there. Thank you so much and have a great rest of your day. Bye. It was June of 1941. In the past two years, Nazi Germany had surged across virtually all of Western Europe and pushed the majority of British opposition off the continent. Now it was time to turn and focus on Soviet Russia. As recently as August of 1939, the Soviets and Germany agreed to sign the Molotov-Ribbentrop Pact of Non-Aggression. This pact 
allowed the Germans to invade Poland without the fear of Russian interference. The pact was to take effect in several ways. First, both parties agreed that for at least a period of 10 years, neither nation would participate in any offensive act against the other. Additionally, they would not aid a third party. The more secretive underlying meaning of this pact established zones of influence for each country. In both cases, this included land that was outside their current territory. By July of 1940, the Nazis had achieved their goals of taking Europe as Soviet Russia stood by. But Hitler's aspirations did not end there. Now it was time to break their agreement and attack the would-be allies. Over the past year, the pact was uneasily observed by both parties. But as time went on and Germany continued to stretch its reach farther and farther across Europe, the relationship began to fray. Just two months earlier, on May 10th, 1940, Winston Churchill became prime minister as France was crumbling before the German Blitzkrieg. During the ensuing month, the country would fall to Germany. While through much of 1940, the Soviets were not at the forefront of the British authorities' minds, by 1941, it was apparent that Germany would not stop with Western Europe. In fact, on June 22nd of 1940, the same day that France fell to Germany, Hitler ordered preparations for war against the Soviet Union. The agreement had served its purpose of preventing a two-front war in 1940, but now its utility had run out. In classic Blitz fashion, the Nazis then burst across Eastern Europe towards the Ukraine. Ukraine was of critical concern because of its significant manufacturing sectors and natural resources. As William Manchester reported in his book concerning the industrial magnets of Germany, the Krupp family, the Ukraine was Stalin's food belt, and with its iron fields, coal mines, and steel factories, it was also his Ruhr. To put this in context, the Ruhr was the center of German industry within an area called Eisen. It was from there that the Krupp family operated Europe's largest industrial complex that controlled thousands of operations across Europe and employed hundreds of thousands of Kruppianer, who were Krupp's workmen. Eventually, over the next two years, they would also become the taskmasters of the prisoners from numerous work camps, including Auschwitz. The Ukraine was as important to Stalin as the Ruhr was to Hitler. As such, the Germans knew that they must take the Ukraine in order to depose Russia as the most powerful country in the region. And here is where we see the connection to today. Ukraine was a Soviet proxy state until the fall of the USSR in 1991. On August 24, 1991, Berkova Rada of the Ukrainian Soviet Socialist Republic adopted the Act of Declaration of Independence of Ukraine and thus codified their separation from Russia. Since that time, there have been multiple conflicts between Russia and Ukraine of various magnitudes. The incident of most recent memory was the annexation of the Crimean region of Ukraine by Russia in 2014 under President Barack Obama. This peninsula has been hotly contested as it only became part of Ukraine when Soviet leader Nikita Khrushchev gave the peninsula to his native land in 1954. When the Soviet Union dissolved, Ukraine retained Crimea, but a looming issue remained as nearly 60% of its population of 2 million identified themselves as Russians. This was part of the guise used by the Russians in 2014 as an excuse for their aggression. Today, in 2022, Vladimir Putin holds very similar motivations to the Germans of World War II. 
and now after a stay of aggression during the Trump presidency, the United States has demonstrated through its foolishly handled evacuation of Afghanistan that its leadership is too frail to offer any meaningful resistance. As of February 24, 2022, Russia has launched an invasion of Ukraine. On February 23rd, President and self-appointed Prime Minister Vladimir Putin made a speech with additional justifications for their contentious actions. The translated version of his speech is available from the New York Times. In our next episode, we'll go through all the points which he made and examine their validity. Hi everyone, Donnie Emick here. Today what we're doing is we're releasing our first episode of History in the News. This is a podcast that we're going to do that is designed to connect the things that have happened in the past to what is currently happening in the present. Now, uh, I'm a firm believer that history repeats itself and that nothing is new that's under the sun. And so as we go through and we are dealing with new and strange things in the news that we're seeing these days, especially particularly with what we're seeing right now with the Ukraine, really, it's not all that new. In fact, most of this stuff has been happening uh, over and over again for the last hundred years or so. And so what we're dealing with is really not anything different than what we've been seeing in the past. And so over the next few episodes, what we're going to do is we're going to unpack that more. This first episode is there to talk about the historical context behind uh, the Ukraine and why it's so important at this time in history and why it was also very important during World War II. So I'm going to go through and read this uh, and go through this whole script for you here. And then in the future, what we're going to probably do is branch out and have more free discussions along with this type of content. But for this week, I just wanted to get something out to you that provides some historical context. So we're going to go ahead and we're going to launch this here and hopefully you enjoy. It was June of 1941. In the past two years, Nazi Germany had surged across virtually all of Western Europe and pushed the majority of British opposition off the continent. Now it was time to turn and focus on Soviet Russia. As recently as August of 1939, the Soviets and Germany agreed to sign the Molotov-Ribbentrop Pact of Non-Aggression. This pact allowed the Germans to invade Poland without the fear of Russian interference. The pact was to take effect in several ways. First, both parties agreed that for at least a period of 10 years, neither nation would participate in any offensive act against the other. Additionally, they would not aid a third party. The more secretive underlying meaning of this pact established zones of influence for each country. In both cases, this included land that was outside their current territory. By July of 1940, the Nazis had achieved their goals of taking Europe as Soviet Russia stood by. But Hitler's aspirations did not end there. Now it was time to break their agreement and attack the would-be allies. Over the past year, the pact was uneasily observed by both parties. But as time went on and Germany continued to stretch its reach farther and farther across Europe, the relationship began to fray. Just two months earlier, on May 10th, 1940, Winston Churchill became Prime Minister as France was crumbling before the German Blitzkrieg. During the ensuing month, the country would fall to Germany. While through much of 1940 the Soviets were not at the forefront of the British authorities' minds, by 1941 it was apparent that Germany would not stop with Western Europe. In fact, on June 22nd of 1940, the same day that France fell to Germany, Hitler ordered preparations for war against the Soviet Union. 
The agreement had served its purpose of preventing a two-front war in 1940, but now its utility had run out. In classic blitz fashion, the Nazis then burst across Eastern Europe towards the Ukraine. Ukraine was of critical concern because of its significant manufacturing sectors and natural resources. As William Manchester reported in his book concerning the industrial magnates of Germany, the Krupp family, the Ukraine was Stalin's food belt, and with its iron fields, coal mines, and steel factories, it was also his Ruhr. To put this in context, the Ruhr was the center of German industry within an area called Eisen. It was from there that the Krupp family operated Europe's largest industrial complex that controlled thousands of operations across Europe and employed hundreds of thousands of Kruppianer, who were Krupp's workmen. Eventually, over the next two years, they would also become the taskmasters of the prisoners from numerous work camps, including Auschwitz. The Ukraine was as important to Stalin as the Ruhr was to Hitler. As such, the Germans knew that they must take the Ukraine in order to depose Russia as the most powerful country in the region. And here is where we see the connection to today. Ukraine was a Soviet proxy state until the fall of the USSR in 1991. On August 24, 1991, Berkova Rada of the Ukrainian Soviet Socialist Republic adopted the Act of Declaration of Independence of Ukraine and thus codified their separation from Russia. Since that time, there have been multiple conflicts between Russia and Ukraine of various magnitudes. The incident of most recent memory was the annexation of the Crimean region of Ukraine by Russia in 2014 under President Barack Obama. This peninsula has been hotly contested as it only became part of Ukraine when Soviet leader Nikita Khrushchev gave the peninsula to his native land in 1954. When the Soviet Union dissolved, Ukraine retained Crimea, but a looming issue remained as nearly 60% of its population of 2 million identified themselves as Russians. This was part of the guise used by the Russians in 2014 as an excuse for their aggression. Today, in 2022, Vladimir Putin holds very similar motivations to the Germans of World War II. And now, after a stay of aggression during the Trump presidency, the United States has demonstrated, through its foolishly handled evacuation of Afghanistan, that its leadership is too frail to offer any meaningful resistance. As of February 24, 2022, Russia has launched an invasion of Ukraine. On February 23rd, President and self-appointed Prime Minister Vladimir Putin made a speech with additional justifications for their contentious actions. The translated version of his speech is available from the New York Times. In our next episode, we'll go through all the points which he made and examine their validity. Thank you so much for listening. My name is Donnie. I'm from Oxus Practical Defense. Hopefully you enjoyed this episode and that it helped you to open up your mind and understand a little bit more of the context for all the craziness that's currently going on in the world. Our company specializes in helping private clients as well as organizations plan for unexpected problems that might arise. And so we work with students and we work with these clients to help them build their processes and understand all the things that can go awry. And in order to understand how to do that, it's important to understand the historical context and to build a defensive worldview. So thank you guys for listening. I hope you guys enjoyed it. If you have any comments or anything you would like to add, feel free to send those to us. You can visit our Facebook page at Oxus Practical Defense uh, on Facebook. We also are available through our website, oxus.llc. If you search for that, it's O-X-Y-S 
O-X-Y-S. Feel free to search for that on Facebook, or you can also follow us through our website, oxus.llc, and subscribe to our blog or newsletter from there. Thank you so much, and have a great rest of your day. Bye.